0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 41. Last week we waved goodbye and said, see you next year to October, the month that makes me smile. This week we welcome in November, the month that makes me thankful. It's the month we remind ourselves of blessings in our life we often have the tendency to forget. You know, November is like our favorite out-of-state relative who arrives once a year on our doorstep, smiling ear to ear, with arms wide open with hugs for everyone. Her very presence reminds us what it's like to slow down and take pleasure in enjoying the life we already have rather than the one we want. November is about our thankfulness for what is that exceeds our hope for what isn't in our lives. It's the month to remind ourselves that at the end of the day, nothing enriches our life more than relationships, not things, not experiences, not even good health. So starting today and for the next four Wednesdays in this November of 2019, we'll be looking at four different kinds of relationships we can be thankful for, some of which may surprise you. Four relationships that add rich meaning and purpose to our life. Well, to start things off in this episode, I'd like us to consider the cheerleaders in our life. I've been blessed with a number of cheerleaders in my life. Three in particular stand out. I'll start with Jennifer, our daughter. She was born in November, this month of thankfulness, November 11th to be exact. She wrote a four-page email to me a year and a half ago encouraging me to get the training I needed to start this podcast. Now, Janet was cheering me on. My wife, Janet, was cheering me on as well. But it was Jennifer who really pushed the envelope. And I'm so grateful for her doing so to get me started with this podcast. I was reluctant for several weeks, but she kept coming back at it explaining how she thought that this would be a good fit for me and the impact it could make. So that's one cheerleader, my daughter, Jennifer. A second cheerleader is my friend, Vern. I mentioned him in episode four, The Gift of Even Though, and I'll have a link to that episode at the end of the show notes, along with links to other resources I I mentioned. The thing about Vern is that he was much older than I am. Um, he's the age of my parents, my father, and he was a very successful businessman. He ran a truck dealership in Northwestern Wisconsin. Uh, just, a, just a great guy, a lot of fun to be with. And again, if you want to hear more about him and his wife Lorraine, there'll be an episode four. Well, there was a time when I had been uh, teaching. That was my first job right out of college. And uh, we moved from Eau Claire, where we had gone to school and where Vernon his wife Lorraine lived. But we would still come up to see them maybe a couple times a year. And they always welcomed us with, with open arms. And along about maybe year four or five in my teaching career, I was starting to get antsy. I was starting to feel like, I was made for other things, and I I love my teaching job, but I was starting to investigate the whole world of business. And there was a a job opportunity that I was starting to investigate, uh, actually, in the whole world of sales. And I remember asking Vern what he thought. You know, here I was, a history major graduating from college. I was teaching English and history, and, you know, could a guy like me with such limited background in the business world succeed at something um, like this. And I remember what he said to me was something very, very brief. And I know I've talked about this before. When I explained the the sales job I was interested in, he said these simple, these simple words, you know, I think you'd be very good at that. Hmm. Well, sadly, by the time this episode airs, uh, Janet and I will have attended his wife Lorraine's memorial service. Uh, she passed away several weeks ago, and you know, she was 94. The last time we talked with her and, and Vern was right before Thanksgiving last year. And I just remember her, her refrain that she said a number of times in that phone call, we've had such a good life. Well, part of their good life was Vern and, and Lorraine as well, just being really good cheerleaders. Really encouraging people. Encouraging people not just with their words, but with their actions and with how they lived life. Um, You know, when it's Vern's time to go, he's going to be greatly missed, just as we deeply miss Lorraine right now. So that's that's the second cheerleader in my life that's had a great impact, my friend Vern. A third cheerleader is someone that I met in Florida several years ago. I was taking trips down there twice, maybe three times a year for a while to a mission organization who was putting on their missionary care week. And it's uh, there where I first met Debbie. And in talking with Debbie, I was talking to her about this book I was writing, uh, Them, The Richer Life Found in Caring for Others, And this was taking me like several years. It actually took me four years to write the book. Well, each time I would go down to Florida and put on this conference, and she's part of the staff, and we'd chat, and and, and she kept asking me about the book. And I just kind of tried to put her off, and I said, well, it's a work in progress. And she said, you know, I really would like to see the rough draft of the manuscript, so the next time you come down, um, bring a copy with you. Well, I did. So the next time I, I came down for the next conference, I, I brought a copy of the manuscript and uh, gave it to her, and she took it home that night, and the next day, um, she wanted to talk about it. In fact, we were, um, a bunch of us were on the way to uh, to the dining hall. We had to walk across this uh, campus, and uh, she caught up with me and, and, and pulled out this manuscript and just started reading from it and telling me how much she really liked it. And she was just really excited. It seemed very genuine, and uh, there were parts of it that she found very moving. And, and she just wrote about it, in a, in a, or talked about it, I should say, in a fair amount of detail. And just her enthusiasm and the fact that she remembered and the fact that she kept um, pressing me on this issue about wanting to see the manuscript. Was just a really great encouragement to me it really it really cheered me on well eventually the book was published and i sent her a copy and then she wrote a really great review for itunes well after that at a, at a, after about three months uh, when the book came out um, in the mail i received this huge box and i had no idea what it was but it came from florida <laughs> And I thought, who in Florida is sending me this huge box? Well, I opened the box, and there inside, very meticulously wrapped and packaged, was a very large picture frame, 17 inches by 21 inches by an inch and a half thick. I remember we used to call these shadow boxes. But within the frame, Within this inch and a half uh, of, of space covered by glass, Debbie, and the package was from Debbie, she had taken all the major elements of my book, them, and encased in this frame something that represented that. For example, she took uh, apart the book and put the cover inside. And then she just had a number of things that um, were mentioned in the book, like the telephone. Uh, Bedford 247. That was the title of one of the chapters. I mentioned playing the accordion when I was a kid, and there's an accordion in there. Uh, the word listen is, is there. Uh, just so many different things. Uh, I talk about depression and suitcases, and there, sure enough, there's a, de- uh, a sign with uh, that's labeled depression on top of a suitcase, and some things about asking questions, and Things like, what if, what if, and just uh, short-term phrases. Lifetime Achievement Award, there's a chapter in the book about that, and uh, just the circumstances surrounding my my birth uh, that I found out about uh, when I was 10 years old. Picture of Martin Luther King, Jr., who was a part of uh, my story. All of those things, and I was just absolutely floored. For one thing, uh, it took a lot of work. I mean, this project took must have taken hours and hours to put together. And I just so appreciated uh, Debbie doing that. And it was her way of, of cheering me on in ways that she is very gifted in. She's very gifted in hospitality and, and just creativity and coming up with stuff like this. It must have taken her just uh, a ton of time to do this. But it was such an encouragement to me I really do feel like she's a, she's my cheerleader for the book. Uh, she kept um, encouraging me to keep at it and was just so excited when the book finally came out. And she actually read it and she mentioned it to other people. So this is this is something that, uh, you know, it's in my office. I, you know, if the house ever starts to catch on fire, this is this is coming out with me. It's ju- it was just a, a, a very beautiful thing, very creative. And the thing that's so meaningful to me is just the thought and effort that went behind it. so I, I never stopped enjoying looking at this and you know I would run, we would run into Debbie uh, later on in fact uh, Jan and I took a short vacation with her and her husband Bob uh, when we were all four of us were at a, a missions conference in Holland and we took a few days uh, after the conference to go to Poland, uh, to, to Auschwitz. I was always on Debbie's bucket list to go to Auschwitz. So we joined them and just had a wonderful time. And our friendship uh, continues to this day. We don't go down to Florida anymore, but uh, we do stay in contact. And this um, picture frame that she gave me was, was just, uh, just magnificent, a magnificent example of caring for someone else by being a cheerleader and encouraging another human being i'll take a picture of debbie's handiwork that she gave me in this picture frame the shadow box and you should be able to see that in the show notes if if i can figure out how to do that and i'm going to try here's what i'm taking away from today's episode what i've learned and what i hope you picked up on as well first of all i have much to be thankful for because of these three cheerleaders and others like them in my life. When I think of how they cheered me on and how they believed in me when I wasn't sure I believed in myself, it makes what I'm lacking in life now pale in comparison. Secondly, everyone needs a cheerleader, but you just can't go looking for one. You can't ask someone to be this for you. You have to get your cheerleader organically. You can certainly pray for one, but oftentimes they are already around us, but we just don't know it yet. But even when we don't have a cheerleader, Jesus is there to cheer us on. The Holy Spirit is there to gently move us forward, to equip us to be the person God created us to be. He is our cheerleader. Another thing I'm reminded of in this episode and by these cheerleaders is that when you don't have one, when you don't have a cheerleader, it doesn't stop you from being one yourself for another person. Here's an example. A number of years ago, when our uh, grandkids were in elementary school, Janet and I volunteered once a month for an hour at our kids' uh, school. And our job was to go around to the different workstations where these kids were working, usually with desks, put together in groups of five, and to just help the kids with their homework. And I remember one boy that I uh, I was assigned to who was just having a really hard time with something, and I think he was in first or second grade, and uh, he, he he started crying because he didn't understand something. So I tried to be as gentle as I could with him, put my arm on his shoulder, and just really tried to encourage him and told him, you know, you can do this. And I explained a few things about uh, what he was working on that that uh, that seemed to help him. And I thought, you know, this kid needs a cheerleader. He doesn't need someone to, uh, to yell at him. Uh, he doesn't need someone to uh, correct him. He just needs someone to cheer him on, to encourage him. And I got st- such satisfaction uh, from that. Another example of being a cheerleader happened uh, a few years ago Um We were at a restaurant, and uh, we were meeting some friends at at this restaurant, and uh, we started talking to the waitress. And uh, this was in um, the college town where where Jen and I went to school, went to college. And it was on a Saturday night, and uh, she was probably in her late teens, early 20s, and uh, I think it was homecoming weekend. And here she's working at, at this restaurant. I think it was Applebee's. And it was really, really busy, and uh, we just started finding out uh, a little bit about her life. And I don't know what it was, but I just felt prompted at the, at the end when we were done. I, I left her a really big tip, and <laughs> uh, I normally don't, don't do that. I don't, I, I was, it was rather large, and um, I didn't say anything, and, and I went to the bathroom, and, and as I was coming out, this waitress was coming after me. And she said, oh, you left, you, left, um, you left this extra money. And I said, no, that's really free for you. And I just said, you know I, you know, I used to go to school here, and I remember how hard it was studying and trying to get good grades at the same time working a hard job, and I had a few of those. And I just appreciate what you're doing, and I appreciate your perseverance and persistence. And uh, I, just, I just want you to have this. Well, uh, she started to tear up and said, you know, I, you don't know my story, but uh, this is just extremely meaningful to me. You can't imagine how, how much I appreciate this based on what I've been going through. And uh, she gave me a hug, and then we left. A- and, you know, it wasn't that, that big a tip but uh i just was so i just had this great sense of of peace and fulfillment about blessing this this young lady uh and as a way to to cheer her on well another thing that i'm taking away uh from this uh episode with the the three cheerleaders in my life is that uh when it comes to being a cheerleader we don't have to prove our worth to be cheered for. I remember our son Michael, uh, he played on this high school basketball team and there was a group of us parents that would come and watch them uh, every Friday night, sometimes on Tuesdays or Saturdays and, and uh, it, was, it was just really a lot of fun. Well, at one particular occasion, I noticed that one of the dads uh, had missed a few games and when he finally returned, uh, I asked him, I asked him where he was. And he said, well, my son told me that he was going to be sitting on the bench uh, for the next couple of games, and I knew he wouldn't get in, and I didn't think there was any point in coming to watch him warm the bench. Well, that, that really bothered me because as a former bench warmer myself, when I played basketball in high school, I would have loved to have had my parents come to watch me even just sit on the bench and I just believe that, that you should go anyway, whether your kid gets to play or not. You know, To hope with him while you're sitting in the stands as he's hoping on the bench that he'll get in. To be, even just to be there to watch him warm up and do layup drills before the first and second half. Be there in case the, the, their team gets trounced and he'll get in the game as one of the scrubs. Be there to watch him be part of the team. That's, that's what a good cheerleader does. It doesn't matter if, uh, if you're winning or losing, or if you're the best player or the worst player. We can still cheer someone on. Well, before I close, here's the main takeaway from today's episode, our show in a sentence. We can find great fulfillment when we become a cheerleader for someone because it reflects the character of God who cheers us on to be all that we are capable of being. Here's what you can do in response to today's show. A couple of things come to mind. First off, think about the people who have been your cheerleaders. Then thank them and model what they did for you and pay it forward with someone else. Another thing you can do is pray and look around and ask Jesus to show you someone for whom you could be a cheerleader. You'll be amazed how fulfilling this can be. As for what to say or what to do to be a good cheerleader, uh, don't worry about it. Just ask God and what you could do and he'll show you. Yeah, no pressure. He'll show you. Well, in closing, I'd love to hear from you, either by your comments in the show notes or by email, with what you've learned from this episode and how you have put it into practice. And as always, you will find the show notes for this episode by going to johnsertalikcom forward slash podcast. I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act. Reflect with gratitude for the cheerleaders in your life and then act by doing what they modeled for you. You can do it. I know you can. You were made for this. And now our relationship quote of the week. Let us be grateful to the people who make us happy they are the charming gardeners who make our souls blossom and that comes to us from the 20th century french novelist marcel proust well that's all for today folks may your souls blossom until we meet again next week goodbye for now